0: dealt a pretty crappy deck of cards, mm-hmm. but we're going to deal with it. And, um, I remember when I was sick that I would, I would start thinking about all the things that I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And I had to switch that mindset to think of, to focus on the things that I could still do. And I think that really helped, um, that I could, you know, I, I might not be able to do everything that all my friends are doing, but I can still do a whole heck of a lot of things and have a good life write and that
1: down kids quit thinking about yep. your limitations and start concentrating on your destinations right absolutely so yeah. and now that you can do a lot of these things that you couldn't do before is life even like like do you wake up now has that effect you know wore off like the grass is greener today The, no i mean like really like no the air really is clear <laughs> for you People always ask me, Matt, how did you start your podcast? Well, the first thing to do is just start and by doing that, you're going to need a good production company and that's why I roll with 10 Bears Production. You hear me talk to owner Eli every single week. He has become a staple of this podcast because he's a overall great guy, and he makes this look unbelievably awesome. You would be shocked at how well he will do for you, so make sure you go to 10bearsproduction.com. Reach out to Eli. He is available, whether it's a promo video, whether it's a social media post, or whether you're ready to start a podcast, he will help you, and it could look just as good, if not maybe better than this. If you have better ideas than me, he will help you create your idea and make it flourish. 10 Bears Production is the way to go. Welcome to another week of Level Up with Matt Rogers. I am your host, Matt Rogers. Sidekicking it with me, as always, is the one and only Eli Adelman.
2: Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm good. You look like a keyboard player back there. Like you're oh, I got all my things going. Yes. Yeah.
1: What what okay, so we talk about Ten Bears Production, which is, you know, your company. What are you actually doing right now? Are you controlling the different camera angles, sound, everything? Yep,
2: yep. So switching cameras, making sure it sounds good. Do you get scared? No. Do you ever get worried?
1: No. We got a big guest today, man. I mean, Dude, what if you screw this up?
2: Right? It's you're gonna fire me.
1: No, I, <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> nah. The Lord would not let me fire you, Eli. You are the chosen one. That's right. Um, so you don't get scared. Not in this. I mean, scariest thing you've ever been through. What is ooh. it in your whole life?
2: I'd have to say when, hmm, I was maybe not scared, but like when my wife, you know, went through labor and all that. It was intense for sure. Right. Probably not scared though. Like the first time was a little rough. And
1: why? Because she like did she like almost die? She or something? like
2: passed out a few times and you know all that stuff. So that's really scary. Scared to see,
1: but. How'd you get through it? You prayed, didn't you?
2: Heck yeah. Were you a man of God at the time? And also, oh yeah. And like also like we went through these birthing classes where it was like all about breathing. So it was, I was doing the breathing just as much as she was. So she passed out. And you're like, it's all right, Liz. Totally normal. When you wake <laughs> up, I'll still be here. We got this. Yeah.
1: No. The scariest time of my life, hands down, was when my second son, Mason, was born. Yeah. Rare genetic disease, cystic fibrosis, which is leading into our guest today, Lindsay Hernandez, who I... Met for the first time, I think she'll correct me if I'm wrong in two seconds when she comes on. I think I met her for the first time like six or seven years ago Yep. with maybe it was her boyfriend at the time, maybe fiance, but she's married now. But dude, small world coming back from California this weekend. Yep. I'm on a plane and her husband starts kind of like talking to me like, you know, I'm like, gosh, this guy seems really. And then he busts out a picture of when we met for the first time like five or six years ago. Okay. And then I meet, which I think it's his, you know, the first time I'm meeting her, his wife, Lindsay. Oh, hey, Lindsay, I'm nice to meet you. She goes, yeah, dude, like I met you before. <laughs> and she goes, you remember me? She goes, I, uh, I have cystic fibrosis, double lung transplant. And the more I started talking to her, I'm like, okay, stop. Don't talk anymore. Please come on my podcast. It's awesome. And let's go through your whole story because – As a dad with now three kids with cystic fibrosis. Yep. Holy crap, I can't believe I'm saying that. Um, She inspires me, and she gives me hope. And her story is going to inspire you and give you hope as well. So give it up for the one and only, Lindsay Hernandez from California. Yep. Now in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Oh, my gosh. What's it
0: like? Do you love it? Yes. We want to move here now. Do you really? (laughs) Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. We're thinking about it. Why? It's not California. Oh, see? She's with me.
1: I escaped California six years ago, and now I'm living in the land of freedom, of milk and honey, and I absolutely love it. Okay, so like, it's funny how we all kind of tie in together. So you and I met for the first time, what, like six, seven Uh, years ago?
0: 2016, yeah.
1: And how did we meet?
0: You were, I believe, a keynote speaker. At the Habit Conference. The Habit Burger. Yes, Mm -mm -mm. Habit Burger Mm -mm. Grill. I'm a fan. (laughs) And um, you talked about your two kids having CF at that point. So obviously I had to meet you after that. And
1: I remember. We got
0: our picture taken. I
1: really do remember that. I remember coming up afterwards and then, dude, and it's crazy because now, your so he was, was he your boyfriend or husband or fiance uh, at the time?
0: Just a boyfriend. Yeah. So he was just, just a, boy, a boyfriend.
1: Just a boyfriend. Yes. He's in the room. So if you see Lindsay kind of like look <laughs> past the camera, it's because she's looking at her gorgeous yes. husband over there. Who is your husband?
0: Ross Hernandez. The one and only? The one and only.
1: Do you still look at him and get butterflies?
0: Of course.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ross is a good man. So Ross was a GM at uh, Habit, but now he's like, Head of IT for one of my favorite places, Hattie B's, yeah, right? Yeah. And for those of you, when you come to Nashville, like when they say, where should we eat? Like, you can't think of Nashville without thinking of Hattie B's. Yep. Like, it's the OG original hot chicken. Yeah. So, um...
2: What's, what's the hottest you ever had?
1: Well, it, what's it called?
0: I I tried to Shut the Cluck Up. Oh my god. Shut gosh, the Cluck Up, Eli! Bro. That's what it's
1: called. Dude. Yeah. So, we did a thing, um... With the Titans last year, like on our show on Titans Blitz. And dude, they made me bite the shut the cluck up, bro. And it messed me up for like 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, yeah, the like my eyes were
0: watering. and You have to do ice cream shooters after. Ooh, that's a good so idea. get two things of ice cream and eat the ice cream afterwards. That's the only way I was able to get them. Oh, time.
2: man. And it works. Yeah. My brother in law came the to town and he was like, oh, I'm going to take it down, all three tenders. I think he got through two and had to drink like a gallon of milk. It yeah. was just. Yeah, too much. I it's
1: had one real- bite. That's, that's not your thing, huh? No, I like the like the medium because Definitely. it gives you the kick, but it doesn't freaking give your butt the kick. <laughs> <laughs> So now your husband runs all of IT for Hattie B's, right?
0: IT and finance, yeah.
1: IT and finance. Oh, so you married the brains and the money? Look at (laughs) her go! Super smart.
0: He got me with his Excel skills.
1: Let's (laughs) go, dude. That's so awesome. So he left Burger and now he's running the show. And so I know Brian and Misty Morris, who they're at Hattie B's, a separate story, but just. Good, good people. They've done a ton for the CF Foundation. And I don't know this. So they helped us with our uh, Rock the Roses fundraiser three years ago. They catered all of the food and were just really, really nice. good to us. And Misty said, one of my good friends has it. Was she talking about you?
0: I don't think so. Okay, so no. it wasn't three I've years ago. I've met early. her once. Okay, so, okay. so she has she another tie
1: me. to CF. Now does she know? Like, does she know that you have it or maybe not?
0: I don't know. If so, she listens, she
1: will know. Oh, she will. I was texting her
0: like, <laughs> you're never going to guess who's coming on the show.
1: So, um, okay. So tell me, first of all, like, let's go back to the beginning because this is obviously like, how old are you now? 40. Okay. So you're 40. I'm 44. We're basically the same. And like, I'm looking at like, I'm probably going to cry this episode, by the way, just so you know, it's like, I'm looking at my daughter and like the future is bright because it there really was a time... Is. When my son was born and I just remember holding him up, crying, and like, am I gonna be able to coach his baseball team and football team? Like I'm just you're giving bawling. me
0: goosebumps. Oh, dude.
1: <laughs> like it, it was tough. Um, so to see you and how well you're doing, like, it gives me encouragement. Because, you know, ultimately, you know, my hope and you know, faith and everything lies in the Lord. But at the same time, like, God put really good doctors on the earth and really good scientists and the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation and the advances that they made have really, really helped my kids. Yeah. And, but I want to talk about you. So when were you born? When did you find out? What did your parents do? All of that stuff.
0: So I was born in November of 81, and um, I was diagnosed with CF at about eight months old.
1: How did they diagnose you? Because that was before newborn screening.
0: Yeah. Uh, failure to thrive. So my mom was feeding me everything. And I still wasn't gaining any weight. I'm um, pretty sure they accused her of not feeding me. Right. <laughs> um, and then finally somebody at Children's Hospital of Orange County uh, put two and two together. They gave me the sweat test and it came back positive. And um, I, I think they started me on enzymes right away. Mm-hmm. And I gained weight. And I didn't start getting the lung issues until probably kindergarten age.
1: Were you on any other medicine besides... It w- was it Creon back then, the enzyme I thing? I want
0: to say it was pancrease. Okay. Um, were you on know. any
1: breathing treatments or anything back then?
0: No, not as a, not as a small child. I think I started a, about kindergarten. When I started going to an actual CF center mm-hmm. in Long Beach, they put me on the breathing treatments. And back then, my parents were pounding on me yep. on all four sides to get everything up. And um, treatments, I think, were like maybe two or three times a day. And what she
1: means by that, because I had to do it with all my kids, is you take this, I don't know if it was different for you, but you take this little thing and you literally pound and beat their chest as they're doing a breathing treatment. And the idea is the breathing treatment will loosen up the thick mucus in the lungs and then the pounding will get them to cough it up. So, first of all, like, will you explain what is cystic fibrosis?
0: It's a genetic disease. Um, mainly that it affects the lungs, but it also affects your digestive tract. Um, a lot of patients have liver problems. I want to say most males are infertile f- due to it. 50% of women, I think, are. Um, so it affects your reproductive tract and, um, or system. Mm-hmm. And it's really the, the lung issues that, ge- or that give most people problems. Um, I've been lucky that, oh, and I guess you could also have like sinus issues. I have sinus issues from the, the bacteria. Do you still? I do. Mm-hmm. I also have diabetes because of it. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, so CF doesn't go away after transplant, but the DNA in my donor's lungs does not have the gene for CF. So my lungs don't have CF, but the rest of my body still does. Wow. So I still have to take the digestive enzymes before I eat anything. Um, I've had a couple of sinus surgeries post-transplant because I still colonize pseudomonas in my sinuses. That will never go away until they can start doing sinus transplants, but I don't think that's anytime soon. Really? Yeah. Um, So it's just kind of part of my flora now, and I just have to do sinus rinses with medication um normally and that kind of keeps everything at bay but um like anything you get you get used to mm-hmm. kind of just going with the flow and um it's just part of me. so here i am
1: back in the day 81 so by the time you're 5 this is 86 average life expectancy around 1986 was what teens
0: um, or 20s um i want to say when i was diagnosed my parents were told school age I don't think they gave a specific age, but I kind of take that as about five, six. Um,
1: Because I I remember them telling us, you know, we're hoping that Mason gets in his thirties. And I'm like, dude, I'm in my thirties. Like, and I feel like I'm still 17. Like I ain't ready to think. So for your parents to get that news, like what was your first memory? Like. Do you remember being five, six years old doing breathing treatments or no? Uh,
0: yeah. And pictures help. My parents have pictures. I remember being hospitalized first uh, when I was in kindergarten. Uh, my parents made a big deal about it, bought me all these toys and everything, kind of prepped me saying, you're going to be away for a while. and Or I guess out of school, not away. But right. um, I would get hospitalized every couple years in elementary school. I can remember... Um, there was some program that my parents had signed up for and somebody took me to Disneyland. It was part of like a a sick kid's day. Like Make-A-Wish or something? It was kind of like Make-A-Wish, but it was um, just me and this coordinator that went away to Disneyland, which I don't know that any parents would (laughs) do nowadays, just send your kids off randomly with some person. But I remember my dad asking me why I was going. And I had a little speech issue back then too. And I said, cause I have cystic fibrosis. Oh my God, and he was like, that's "So cute. And, we'll... <laughs> but he wanted me to like own up to it. And he was like, no, you have cystic fibrosis. Like don't say it like a, you know, like real child. Yeah. But, but he meant, well, he, he wasn't trying to, you know, right. get mad at me. He just wanted me to, you know, own what, what I have. Um, so that, those are probably the earliest memories. And, um, he, I, I have to 100% give him all the credit for how well I'm doing because he really instilled in me to take care of yourself. Um, I was probably in my teens and I Mm -hmm. was refilling my prescriptions for myself. I was calling and making doctor's appointments for myself. Wow. Um, as soon as I got a driver's license, I was taking myself to, Appointments, and I think he even wrote me a note saying, like, you know, she's a minor, but she can <laughs> she right. can take herself to the doctor and she can make decisions for herself. And That's good. Yeah. So, and you just, were good about
1: doing your own breathing treatments, and like, did you do the vest?
0: I did get the vest. Yeah. Uh, we went from the the pounding to um, they had a little device called the Flutter, uh-huh. and it was like a little ball bearing in a little device that would kind of uh, reverberate your your lungs and get the stuff up that way. I don't think it worked as well, but uh, then I got the vest. My grandma called it my Cadillac because back then it was—it probably cost about as much as a Cadillac. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. it really does.
1: Thank God for insurance.
0: Yes, um, so that that was great, and that really gave me a lot of more independence because I didn't have to rely on somebody else, yeah. kind of pounding on me and.
1: And the vest is basically the way it looks. Is it's a vest. Um, and there's two tubes going in each side and then this tank, if you will, this air compressor pumps air into the sides and it shakes your whole body, yeah. which is, you know, substitute for parents pounding on you when yeah. you're a kid.
0: It's fun for about the first five times. And, and then, then like, you're, uh, uh,
1: yeah, my kids hate it, always hate it. Yeah. And um, Brooklyn's but, not on it yet, the baby. Okay. So, and just to kind of educate the listeners how do you get cystic fibrosis? So it's a genetic thing, what what does that mean?
0: Yeah, so your parents have to be carriers. I believe you have a 25% chance of being a carrier if your parents are. You have a, I'm sorry, 25% chance of not being a carrier. And correct me if I'm wrong, if you know better. Um, 50% chance of being a carrier and 25% chance of actually having the disease. So I was that lucky, 25%. And um, we found out when my sister had kids that she's a carrier. She doesn't have CF, but she's a carrier of it. Her kids don't have it. Did Um, they
1: test the kids to see if they're carriers?
0: I don't believe so. I'm I'm not sure. It
1: it tripped me out, too, because none of my brothers or sisters tested for it. They obviously don't have it, and obviously none of their kids have it because we would have— found out by now but i don't know like i feel like if the shoe was on the other foot i would want to know if i was a carrier because if i mean i guess if terry and i go back in time and we found out we were both carriers i don't know like we still went forward with life obviously i feel like sometimes we hit you know when it comes to cystic fibrosis the bad 25 percent three times which is weird our oldest son braden good 25 percent, not even a carrier And then Mason, Samantha, Brooklyn all went bad 25% and got the disease, unfortunately. But it's crazy that you say that, too, because Terry just told me at lunch. I went to lunch with her before I came here, and we were talking about you. She goes, it's crazy. Samantha, our 8-year-old, just asked Terry last night, Mom, why do I have cystic fibrosis and you and Dad don't? And I was like, Like, how do you explain that to an 8-year-old? You know what I mean? The she worst. She wasn't
0: asking for the scientific reason. I'm sure, right? Meaning, like, she didn't. She wasn't asking the genetics part of yeah. it. just you know,
1: why? why me? The I think for us, one of the hardest things. And tell me if this had ever happened to you growing up. We, I kind of went the opposite of what your dad did in terms of. My kids knew that they had to do breathing treatments. My kids knew that they had to uh, take enzymes and this and that. But I, don't, like I didn't want them, like you said, my dad wanted me to own it. I went the opposite way to where I didn't want my kids to own it. I didn't want them to worry about that stuff as a kid. Like, And we're like, we'll, we'll take care of that for you. I want you to go worry about skimming your knee and this and that. Where it came back and bit us in the butt was when we did our first fundraiser, which I was telling you about, 2019. So Mason was 11. And a couple of his friends came, and we... You know, from the stage, you have the conversation like we're having, like, you know, this is mm-hmm. my bros, rare genetic disease and thick mucus and all this stuff. And the average life expectancy blah, 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 blah. And dude, he goes to school the next day. And one of the kids, you can see where this is going. One of the kids says to him like, so dude, that sucks. Uh, so you're like going to die when you're like 25 or 30. Okay. So then Mason comes home. He goes, dad, am I going to die when I'm 20? And then I have to have that whole freaking conversation. Did that?
0: Yeah. Did
1: you ever go through that? Like, what was it? like for you like tell me so after your dad makes you own like what's life like Uh,
0: i i mean i was a normal kid um i had some uh i back then they i think wanted to keep kids with cf in a kind of a bubble right they believed that doing exercise and exerting yourself was going to be bad for you nowadays they encourage it from a young age so that you can you know keep your, your lungs strong. But back then I was, I was getting doctor's notes to get myself out of PE and, um, I tried sports. I wasn't very good, but I don't think that had anything to do with my CF. I think I just, I'm just just I'm just not athletic. Um, so yeah, they did keep me in a bubble a little bit, but for the most part, um, I had a normal childhood aside from, you know, being that sick kid in class, so that did would you get. own
1: cystic fibrosis, but it didn't own you
0: 100? percent Yeah, I, like I that. still feel that way. Oh, yeah, for
1: sure. well, dude, look at you! Like, yeah. are are you, But here's the other thing, too. Like, fast forward, like, are you an anomaly? Are there other 40 year olds like you, or
0: yeah? Um, social media really opened up my eyes to that because before social media, um, yeah, you don't have interaction with other CF kids right. because you're not supposed to, right? Because you can pass bacteria to each other so you didn't really have a lot of interaction I never had interaction with kids except for when I was in the hospital but I never kept in touch with anybody um but yeah social media has really opened up my eyes to there are normal people with CF you you can't tell just by looking at somebody that they have CF um most people are shocked well it's because when you
1: told me yesterday you're like oh yeah I'm his wife and I have CF the first thing it came out I was like no, no you see. don't like <laughs> she doesn't know what cf is because yeah. she don't have it because you don't yeah. look like you're supposed to
0: yeah oh, i think that's well. how i won ross over too let's go I, <laughs> I hit it very well even when i was at 26 percent lung function oh my god um i was um i didn't look like it i was skinny a lot skinnier than i am now but um you couldn't tell just by looking at me. And so we met on, on Match.com. Let's go. Is Match even still a thing? I don't know. It is. Um, okay. <laughs> but I, I went through all the emotions, right? I'm, di- I'm dying. I so, just got okay, on the when do you?
1: Uh, th- this is important. When do you know? Like, Essentially, all of us are dying every yeah. day, every second we get older. But like, there's a difference between, hey, I'm going to die one day versus like, no, nah, dude, I have this thing that could really take me out mm-hmm. early. When did you know, like, crap? I'm. Um,
0: it hit me probably in my mid twenties. Uh, obviously, I knew as a kid. You know, my dad had that conversation with did me. Did you ever
1: go to bed afraid? No. Thinking about it. No. Why? Because, and I'm asking as a dad because my kids will tell me so much, but like, I don't know. I'm not. You know, I don't know what's in their head.
0: I don't know. I I I I can't answer that. I don't know why I didn't, but. Um, while my dad kept it real for me, we were also very positive. Um, there was It was never a negative um, kind of connotation. It was just a, this is life. This is unfortunately what you were dealt with. We're going to deal with it in the best way that we can. Um, and I just kind of went through life like knowing that, yeah, it's a possibility, but I think I looked at it more long-term. When I got to about early 20s, I wanted to cram as much life into what I had as best I could.
1: What did you think? Did you think that you would never see 40?
0: Oh, 100%. Really? I didn't think so. So late teens, I would say I went through my kind of like rebellious stage, even though it was nothing compared to, you know, a parent's worst nightmare. It's nothing but, um... compared to some of y'all other freaks <laughs> out there on social media. Yeah. <laughs> but like I stopped taking my enzymes um, because you know I wasn't smart enough to just keep them in my backpack at at school. We had to go through the whole. You have to go to the nurse's office and and take them. And what does um, that
1: mean? So what happens if you don't take your enzymes?
0: Uh, Ross does not have a good time. It, that's what that means. No, <laughs> it's <laughs> well, you you. Get well, I don't time. know. Like, what are
1: we talking about here?
0: <laughs> um, you get very gassy and bloated, and it's. It's not a good time for anybody in the room. Really? Yeah.
1: You are, so, are you in pain? Your stomach hurts.
0: Stomach hurts. Um, I believe it's described as bulky and foul-smelling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, sorry, we're keeping it real here. <laughs> no, it's
1: it's um, real because the enzymes yeah. absorb in the pancreas, yeah. which digests so, all the food. So, if you yeah. don't take it, it Her just food's
0: not digesting. It's just kind of turning into oil, yep. I'll say. <laughs> Um so anyways I went through that phase because I didn't want to be seen going to the nurse's office and taking the you know 10 minutes out of my 30 minute lunch period to go um so started there and um then I got a job I got a job at 16 so I was going to school and then I was going and selling Vans shoes at the at the mall after that and I would get off work and know that I have to go to school tomorrow I'd probably skip my my evening treatment So I think things just started to kind of catch up to me. Did your parents know? I think my dad did. Was he getting mad at you? He would just he would bring it up the next morning. He'd be like, "Hey, I didn't hear you doing your treatment last night." You know, this
1: is so freaking familiar to me. Yeah, like he. Mind you, I have a fourteen-year-old boy that is in that stage. Yeah, and it's very frustrating.
0: I think I honestly think every. CF patient goes through it. any kind of sick kid is going to go through it because you want to be normal, you know, and, um, the treatments take up a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, when I was at my sickest, I was do the treatments were an hour each and I was doing them three, sometimes four times a day. Mm-hmm. It's a full-time job, you know? And, um, so he would, he would remind me to do it. And, um, it caught up to me and I was starting to get hospitalized more frequently in high school. Because why? Just long exacerbations. Um, And about mid-20s, sorry, early 20s, I was working, I was going to school, Um, I was getting sick pretty frequently. It took me four years to get my AA degree Mm -hmm. because I would sign up for classes, get sick, have to go in the hospital. Some teachers wouldn't weren't as you know understanding, or I would get sick after the deadline to drop the class, and so I'd end up having to take an F for it. So long story short, at about twenty one, twenty two, um, I was like, well, do I continue to go to school and potentially waste what little years I might have left going to school for nothing? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just continued to work, and I ended up getting married at a young age because, again, I wanted to cram as much life as I could. This is before Ross. This is before Ross. Yeah, okay. um, we ended up splitting up amicably a couple of years later. But um, so is it safe to
1: say you got married because you wanted to just get all this stuff in? And, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, and then, how did you
1: feel at the time? Did you were you always feeling crappy? Or did you have good days
0: and bad days? Uh, Yeah, I had good days and bad days. Um, It was about then that I realized, wow, if I do my treatments like I'm supposed to, I'll have a better day. Wow. Um, So it took me a couple years to kind of realize that. Mm -hmm. And after that, um, I was was living on my own. So I after my divorce, I lived on my own for about five or six years, um, which, again, was kind of unheard of Mm -hmm. then because most people with their declining lung function um, need help around the house and need help. And some people aren't working or at least working full time and- um,
1: How come you didn't need help? Or did you, but you were just so tough because of the way your pops brought you up?
0: There were definitely times where I was too tough to wave the red flag or the white flag, I guess it is. Why, what does Um, it
1: feel like? Like explain to people. Lung function and being sick uh, and like, what does it mean?
0: Constantly tired. I was constantly coughing and it's not a pretty cough. It's chunky and you're coughing stuff up mm-hmm. and um, just a lot of fatigue. Uh, at my worst, I remember I had to uh, get one of those like shower chairs to where I was sitting in the shower Dang. because I it took way too much energy to be putting my, my head, hands up above my head to wash my hair. And I'd get out of the shower, and I'd kind of collapse on the bed for maybe a half hour just to regain my energy to get to get ready. Unbelievable. So uh, I was working full time up until my doctor took me off of work because he was like, you need, "You're not going back to work until you get your transplant." Um,
1: so at this time, were you proactively looking for a new set of lungs?
0: Yes. How does
1: that, like? how do you get on the lung list?
0: So as soon as your lung function gets down to about 40 and 30%, they start talking about it, kind of prepping you mentally that you're going to eventually go down this road if you choose to do that. Some people don't want to undergo the lung transplant to each their own. And if Um, they
1: don't, it just doesn't, I mean, they pass away?
0: Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Um, cause you know, modern medicine can only help so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so at about that time I was starting to realize, okay, this is the avenue I want to go. I think I've always known that I wanted, you know, would take that route. Um, but at the same time, trifecta was coming out and that really messed with my mind because so at the, at the point where my lung function was down to 26%, I guess. Um, all I could think about was Trikafta. And at that point, I was struggling to do my day-to-day business, but I wasn't suffering. So this was about
1: seven years ago, right?
0: Correct, yeah. So I kept thinking if I can hold off long enough to get Trikafta and if it will work for me and it will stop the progression – I could live out the rest of my years. Mm-hmm. With the lung function that I have now, it it wasn't a bad life. I didn't have, a, you know, bad quality. Like I said, I wasn't suffering. Right. But I wasn't going to be running marathons. I wasn't going to be hiking up any mountains. But I, I could still live a decent life like this. And that was my mindset of if I get this lung transplant, anything could happen. I might not make it off of the operating table.
1: So let me ask you this because this I. I mean, there's so many people listening that, you know, they might be, they're not battling cystic fibrosis, but they might be battling addiction, depression, uh, getting out of a bad relationship. What for you, like you were literally at potentially the end of your life unless, you know, you got this lung transplant. Mm-hmm. What was your why to keep going? Like, why did you want to live? What did you look forward to? Like, what got you up in the morning? It couldn't have been to just punch a time clock, right? Ross. Was it really Ross?
0: And my family. Yeah.
1: The Dialogue made he, me cry.
0: I, he saved my life. Why? How, okay, you. when did
1: he come into your life, and why did Ross save so, your life?
0: So, um, like I said, I had been living by myself. I was going to work. I was dating, but nothing serious. And my parents lived in Montana. My sister was local, but she had her own life and family, and she had two kids now, and um I, I craved companionship, mm-hmm. really. And Who doesn't, though, right? Yeah, for sure. But I was struggling with, okay, well, how do I tell somebody I'm dying? Who's going to want to get into a relationship with me Jeez. when I'm dying? And um, so I said, what the heck? I'll, you know, I went on Match, and you know, we went on our first date. And it was always hard for me to determine when I tell somebody so, you did About,
1: not put CF on match? No,
0: no, 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 no. Um, so, I'm a young, nice girl that totally, does not yeah, enjoy mountain you. biking or hiking. <laughs> <laughs> Just take no. me to a movie, right? I totally. wasn't like that. Yep. Like, what was I'm it a like? homebody. Uh, luckily, we, we matched on that on that portion, right? Um, but so I would always give it a couple dates because I don't want to scare somebody away. Um, but we ended up, somehow, it came up. I think he asked me a question, but I was just kind of like, well, to answer that question, I have to kind of give you more of a right. background story that I'm not really ready to do. And he pried it out of me. And um, he was super understanding. And Were you I, crying as you told him? I don't think so. No. Um, but I did, I kind of gave him out and I said, I know you're going to go home and you're going to Google cystic fibrosis because right. who wouldn't? and don't
1: google cystic fibrosis please if you just got a (laughs) diagnosis or something it is not yeah because there's so much hope now and it's way different absolutely
0: yeah don't make the mistake my parents did they had to go to a library and look it up in an an encyclopedia and same with us the worst um but anyway so i said you're either gonna run for the hills which i totally understand had that happened to you before like
1: were you used to guys running Um, for the hills or no
0: yeah, not so obvious. Um, I had somebody call me a gremlin one time saying that I had too many – I was like a gremlin that I had too many rules, you know, like because – Oh, you
1: can't feed them after midnight yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, don't
0: get them wet or whatever, but it was – because, you know, I had a lot of stuff that I had to do to take care of myself. I can't mean, um, he
1: says you're like a gremlin. You should have said, you freaking look yeah.
0: like a gremlin. <laughs> kind of did. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I get it. Not so A lot of people aren't ready to get, you know, into totally. that kind of thing. So. Um, I said, I hope you do give me a chance, but I totally understand if you, if you don't. And he admitted to me later on that the next day he went and he immersed himself in, in it and he watched a couple documentaries and there was one in particular that he watched of uh, a girl who was on the transplant list and she was living with her fiance and just kind of how they went through life together and it gave him hope. And he don't want to embarrass you, but he went and he talked to his mom and he was just like, you know, I've gone on a couple dates with this girl. I really like her, but she just dropped this bombshell on me and his mom told him to go for it. Let's go. Yes. Mom. Mama Hernandez. <laughs> yes. Shout out and to now she's Yoli. your, Yeah. She's you know, your mother-in-law. Mother, you love her? Absolutely. Yeah. But honestly, so, like,
1: and I know he's sitting behind me, but like, dude, what a freaking good man. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Didn't ignorantly or naively just move forward like did his research knew what he was doing yep. then goes and talks to mama and yep. so what happened he comes back so and does the, what
0: well the funny part was after after that date he was walking me back to my car and I was like I I'm uh, dying right like I was like oh thank God you know about now because now I can do my inhaler and <laughs> I think I don't even remember I might have been parked in a handicapped spot at that point. Where he's shaking his head that I was. Where I didn't want to reveal that yet. Mm -hmm. You know, I probably would have been like, okay, I'll see you. You know, not let him walk me to my car. But at that point, I felt comfortable. Um, so the rest is history. But I was on the transplant list for ten days at that point, and um, he's a UCLA Bruin uh, alumni, and I was on the transplant list at USC. Their rival, right? So he was basically like, "What are you doing on that <laughs> list? You need to come over to the good side and all this stuff." And you know, my. But doctor, wait, before
1: that, I feel like we skipped over before. Like, how did he come back and tell you, like, "Hey, I did research. I talked to Mama." Like,
0: oh, we, I don't even know that we had that conversation. I think we just, you know, scheduled another date and just kind of.
1: So it's real kind of innocent kept, at this time. Like we're just dating. Like, yes, yeah. I know about your challenges, but I'm yeah, moving. But forward. I'm
0: but I'm willing to give it a shot. Did that
1: thing. like. When did you fall in love?
0: Probably at that point. Yeah, <laughs> sister. Yeah, because he he was just so understanding and um, didn't give me any bad vibes as to you know this guy is gonna not be able to handle it and. Um, Who said I love she... you first? Ross. He did. I think Look so. Yeah. <laughs> I freaking love him. Okay. Yeah. And were you like, oh, my God, me too. Thank you for saying that. Well, I think we did the whole, uh, it was, uh, I really, really like you a lot. I really, really like you a lot. (laughs) So I'm an avid oversharer, so I apologize. Um, So the analyst in him, obviously, he starts doing research for me. So I was on USC's list. And um, at the point, sorry, let me fast forward a little bit. I was on their list for... Over two years, and I never got the call. And um, he had been going with me to their support group meetings and all this stuff. So um, he started doing more research of what do we need to do to get you your transplant faster. He started researching all the transplant house hospitals in California, making spreadsheets of them, Jeez. checking at their their wait times, their survival uh, statistics, all this stuff, and um, USC or sorry UCLA came out ahead of USC. Yeah, like, of course. That. So, um, so I I made the switch because I got I got really sick in December of two thousand fourteen. My lung function got down to thirteen percent. Okay, and... what
1: does that feel like? Because they, I mean, I've always heard people talk at the fundraisers like you know breathe through this straw, and it feels like you're breathing through straw. And I do it, and I'm like, I can't. Like you can't breathe through a so shot. Like you will hyperventilate yeah. you'll pass out. Is that really what it's like? I think it's, it's like? a
0: good analogy to give you an idea, but I don't think it really feels okay. like that. Um, for me, it was such a slow decline that it just became my new normal. Um, so it's hard to describe the difference. Right. Um, but, yeah, you, you can't take a deep breath in without coughing. I couldn't laugh without coughing. Um I obviously couldn't run um, would have to stop every couple. Did you ever you know,
1: get depressed?
0: I was never clinically like diagnosed with depression, but I do think I you know I experienced it, especially being single and being in my thirties and watching everybody else mm-hmm. you know get mm-hmm. married and have babies and and all that stuff. So I was for sure, I slept a lot. Um, I think that was kind of how I dealt with it.
1: Because then you feel like, you, not that you want to die, but it's like, what's the point of waking up today? I'm just going to feel like crap. Is it like that or no?
0: No, I was tired. Um, Like I said, the fatigue was probably one of my bigger um, symptoms of it. But it was just like, well, I have nothing else to do. I'd get home from work and I'd come home and I'd do a breathing treatment and I would have to decide, okay, am I going to cook myself dinner tonight or am I going to clean the house tonight? Because I don't have... The energy to do both. Or am I just going to go to bed because that's what I really want to do and wake up the next morning to do you Do you mentally
1: have to give yourself goals and tasks through the day to get through the day?
0: Yeah. I had to um, – I would have to bring my little portable breathing machine to work, and I would do breathing m- treatments at work. Um, when I was at my sickest, I was wearing oxygen 24-7, and I would go to work with the cannula strapped to my face and the tank and the backpack. That was really hard to make that that decision of going to work like that. And um, just because I did look normal. A lot of people didn't know about my issues. You know, I was an open book, but still, you know.
1: Did you get, I mean, I know now you said, which is why you're on the show, that you love telling your story. At the time going through it, did you hate talking about it?
0: Not going through it. I, w- I was open about it. I think being diagnosed with diabetes at 15 is what allowed me to be more open about my issues because everybody knew about diabetes. Everybody's got an uncle, a grandpa, or so knew somebody who had diabetes that could be like, oh, yeah, it's not that big a deal, blah, 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 blah. Not everybody knew anyone with CF. And so I felt like I was different than anybody or w- than everybody with CF, but I didn't feel that way with diabetes. So that kind of helped me. Um, but walking into work that first day with the oxygen was really tough. And somebody walked by somebody I, I knew them, but not, you know, on a close level. And he kind of asked what it was about. And I told him and I said, I'm, I'm really having a hard time with it today. And he said, why? It's no big deal and I was like I've got I've got this oxygen on my face what do you mean it's not a big deal and he said well if you couldn't see you'd wear glasses right I said yep yeah. he said if you couldn't hear you'd put hearing aids in so I see where he's going with this and he says so if you can't breathe you wear your oxygen and my my outlook on it changed drastically and that was like the one interaction that I've ever had with the guy, but I will remember that conversation forever. No, it's cool. Like when you start yeah. the story, I'm
1: like, I hate this guy, and then <laughs> where the end, I'm like,
0: oh, that's yeah. not okay, I like that. I like where this is going. Yeah. So I just kind of have that perspective now, and I've used that anano- that analogy with a lot of people that you know might be going through something. Of well, then get get the assistance that you need to mm-hmm. make your life easier.
1: That's the biggest thing on my kid, like. Cause he hates taking his enzymes. Like, I don't want to take it in front. Cause he's at the age, like, you know, hanging out with his friends and stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm like, bro, people don't care that you're taking enzymes for you. eat. Like, dude, tell them their vitamins. Tell them that you're, you're bulking up for football. It's creatine. Like tell them, dude, everyone's got to do something, whether it's glasses or hearing aid or stay hydrated, whatever. Like, it's just,
0: yeah. So I wish I had had that advice younger because like with your son, I would have, I would have just owned it. I would have said I have cystic fibrosis and I need to take these to digest my food and I feel like educating people. Mm-hmm. Um people appreciate that. You know, they and then they don't think that you're weird. They don't think that there's something you know crazy wrong with you um because you're educating them. Totally. And that that would be my advice. When you is, went
1: to um work with the oxygen tanker that were you with Ross at the time?
0: I was. Yeah. He even made the comment of I'll get one too and I'll wear it with you. I was like, okay, we're not going to go that far. You're making me um, fall in love with this guy. <laughs> he really, he, he saved my life. Like I said before, just, it put me in a better mental um, place to be able to go through transplant. So what I was kind of alluding to before is I was, I was struggling with Maybe I don't want to transplant, and I want to wait for Trikafta to come out and mm-hmm. all this stuff. Um, but I realized that if if I was gonna die, regardless, um, dying, going out fighting from you know the surgery itself or rejection or whatnot was the better option than suffocating or drowning in my own phlegm or whatever um, of however CF was going to take me. A transplant was the better option for me.
1: So when you say dying of rejection, rejection means what?
0: Uh, When your body just uh, essentially rejects your new organ. Um, So I have to take anti-rejection drugs for the rest of my life um, because I am immune compromised due to it. Right. So any... Infection that I could get whether it's a common cold whether it's um, food poisoning My body will want to attack that right, but it won't know to differentiate between The bacteria from the food poisoning or the virus from the common cold and my lungs and Jeez. it will want to go to the lungs and start attacking that
1: so, so that's what those drugs do going back to Switching from USC to UCLA, is that a big gamble? Because I'm assuming after two years, you're high up on a a USC list, right?
0: Lungs aren't allocated by who's been on the list longer. They are allocated by who needs them the most. Um, But what I learned is that there's also a lot of politics involved. Meaning how? Um,
1: Because when I think of politics, I think of money and power.
0: I think I, I don't want to speak out of turn. I I don't want to talk bad on any, any hospital. But if you look at the number of transplants that one hospital does over the other, Mm -hmm. there's definitely some sort of other factor. Can you tell me
1: what the other factor is or is it not even, I
0: I don't even know it. No, but just common sense tells me that there's something else. Um, And in fact, my insurance company dropped USC as a preferred transplant center. So I will I will leave it at that. So now you bleed Um, baby blue and gold, don't (laughs) you? 100 percent. So I ended up getting on their on their transplant list. And a side note is USC and UCLA pool from the same donor pool. So there really is no benefit to being on both of their lists. So I ended up getting on UCSD's list before getting on UCLA's. I then dropped USC, so I was double listed at UCLA and UCSD. And within seven weeks of being on UCLA's lists, I got the call, so.
1: If, let's play hypothetical. If you would have never made the switch do you think you would have still gotten a lung transplant, or do we not know?
0: I think I would have died waiting for lungs. Wow. Yep. So,
1: what? How many people, roughly or percentage wise, die waiting for lungs? Is it a big number or a small number?
0: That I don't know. Okay. Um. I Did think you ever
1: I, reach a day, like, dude? If I don't get this in the next couple weeks, um. Yep. yep.
0: Okay. What's that?
1: Like, like for like real talk, I don't know how to ask this question, so I'm just going to ask it the way I hear it. You're, you know, you're dying. You know that you have weeks essentially to live. What is your mentality? Like, are you depressed? Are you hopeless? Are you holding on to hope? Because it might happen. Like, what's the day like?
0: I was holding on to hope. Um, I was hopeful that if I switched to UCLA, I would get the transplant faster Um, When I hit my lowest, it was right around Christmas time. In fact, Um, I was was discharged from the hospital two days, three days before Christmas of 2014. And um, my sister had to do all my Christmas shopping for me. And she took me out. Going to look at Christmas lights is one of my favorite things to do. She picked me up and we went and drove around looking at Christmas lights. And I remember crying thinking that this was the last Christmas that I was probably going to have if I didn't get my lungs. Um, So day-to-day, it's hard to say how it was because I was so busy with just trying to take care of myself. You know, I was going from doctor appointment to pulmonary rehab to just doing my treatments. Um, So day-to-day, it went by fast, and it was just kind of, I just got to do what I have to do. To bridge that gap to get me to transplant, just to try and stay healthy enough.
1: How did Ross do through all that? Like, how how does how did he take care of a girlfriend that was dying?
0: He carried my oxygen for me. He would, you know, make sure that I had food, um, and he just stayed with me and entertained me. And we would go out on little excursions, but mm-hmm. um, he wouldn't pressure me to go faster or, um, or anything and just, he was just the perfect person.
1: Did you guys ever have that conversation? Like, I don't think I'm gonna make it babe or,
2: or did you never, I think it was just an
0: understood, um, concept of if I don't get this transplant, it's going to get really ugly. Um, but we're, we're in it to win it and we'll, we'll make that, that walk together.
1: Do you, do you pray? Are you a, a woman of faith or are you not?
0: I believe in God, but I, I'm not, um, I wouldn't say I'm religious. Right. No, but I definitely believe in a higher power and, um, that somebody ultimately was looking out after me.
1: A good God. A
0: good God. Was looking That's out what, for you? Absolutely. Do you give And go? my, my, I call my donor Angela. I don't know anything about her. Um, Other than it was a woman in her forties, so I don't know her name, but my family calls her Angela because she's my angel, and um, we we still um, not a day goes by that I don't think of her and honor her, and um, I want to honor her just by living a good life and taking care of the way taking care of myself the way that I think you know she would want me to live. And, um, my family, we will, we have an extra chair at our Thanksgiving table every year for her. And, um, yeah, that's awesome.
1: Do you, what do they tell you about your donor?
0: They really just tell you an age range. Like at least for me, they tell you, so they just said she was in her forties and they told me that it was a female. But I don't know. They don't,
1: they don't tell you how or how she passed away or nothing. Nope.
0: They don't tell me where she lived, um, how she died. And I think that's just to protect the family, yep. you know, because everybody wants to Google. We have, you know, mm-hmm. I, I Google my transplant date and, and whatnot and try to find um, any information that I can. But I also know that I'm not going to go stalk that family. Um, so they don't tell you anything. Um, you gotta it,
1: figure ha, half of the families would probably want to know, you know, who has my daughter's heart, who has mm-hmm. my daughter's lungs, who, you know, that stuff. And then the other half probably like, it was so tragic. I don't even want to Absolutely,
0: it. Yeah. So I wrote to the family, uh, the first Thanksgiving after my transplant. Um, but I haven't, How do you I haven't do gotten that? anything back. How you, do you, write, to the you write a letter, you give it to your transplant center who then uh, reaches out to the, I believe it's the OPO, the organ procurement organization um, that's in charge of your area. They reach out to the family and say, there's a letter for you. Do you even want it? And then they can say yes or no.
1: And you'll never and know unless they say yes and they want it.
0: To- I think they got the letter because I never got the letter back, but I don't know for sure. And they haven't written to me.
1: How long ago was that?
0: That I wrote to them. Yeah. Uh, it'll be seven years this Thanksgiving.
1: So you've had a lung transplant now for seven years. Correct. So, rejection-wise, are we pretty much in the clear now? Because I I have known you know uh, people um, you know through the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation that um, they say rejection is really critical the first. What is it? a Couple months? Couple of years? I believe
0: the first year, they say that um, most patients will have some some form of rejection. Knock on wood. I haven't. Let's go. I know. Um, I don't know if I'm just lucky. Um, no, you have a good I, God that loves I, you and that's I, does, looking out yes. for you. And I take really good care of myself. Okay, um, what does
1: that look like? How do you take good care of yourself?
0: Uh, gosh. <laughs>
1: Like, are I, you walking now? Like, yeah, are you I, I hiking exercise. with Ross and all that?
0: No, just because, you know, life gets in the way. Sure. But um, I was running for a while until I injured my knee. Okay, my, dude. My goal What's was...
1: that like when you go on your first it was run?
0: It was amazing. It was amazing. How? Goal, like, what happened? My goal after transplant was just to run a 5K uh, because I've never been able to. And I did it. And it felt so good. I, I, in fact, that's how I injured myself. It was because I just kept going, kept running, <laughs> and um, I had an injured IT band. And a, a friend from work had kept saying, "You just got to run through the pain. You just got to run through the pain." I wasn't smart enough to differentiate between injury pain and fatigue pain, mm-hmm. so um, that's where that all started. But it just felt so good, and it felt like I was really doing my donor, you know, good by exercising her did lungs. Did you have that moment? Like, did you cry? Did you I, like, did. Hey. I did. I did. Yeah. So and it, it just, it's, and part of it was probably the runner's high too, but just like knowing that I had accomplished something that I wouldn't have been able to do before. And then I set myself, you know, set that goal for myself. It just, it felt really good. I was wish our, I could do it now.
1: Was our Ross in shiny armor there?
0: Of course <laughs> he, he was, was right? Yeah, of, course. of course
1: he was. At the finish line.
0: Yep. Yeah. Dude. He's always been there. So.
1: So when you say he saved your life, not just emotionally give you something to love and look forward to, mm-hmm. but like he did the He's research lit- and
0: Exactly. Yeah. He made me realize, well he just provided the data for me and said I really think you should switch here and I'm not just saying that because I'm right. a, I'm a grad there um but it I 100% believe I would have died waiting for lungs.
1: Yep. The bad news for you is now when you and him get an argument, you can never win one because you're like, I saved your life. I'm right.
0: <laughs> totally. Yep. I am you, not taking the trash out. You owe me. You owe you me. You take
1: the trash out. <laughs> but something tells me Ross yes. would never do that, uh, I don't
0: know. Don't give him that much
1: <laughs> <laughs> So now like moving forward like okay, so you ran the 5k. What's life look like now for you? What are you excited about because I mean, I mean, you've you're great. And now that the lungs are healthy, because ultimately, again, if you Google it, don't. But if you did, it would say, ultimately, uh, ultimately, everybody will pass away with cystic fibrosis from a lung infection, which you don't have to worry about now.
0: I don't. And uh, so, yeah, rejection is the biggest factor that I think I need to, to battle. And um, I just I just try to be happy in life. I don't, I can't ha- I don't have one complaint about life. You know, I still work full time in a job that I love going to. Um, we, we don't have kids. We've talked about it. Mm-hmm. But at this point, it's not really an option for us because the medication that I'm on, they would have to alter the medication to give me something that's safe. And I don't want to rock that boat because things are so good right now that I don't want to sure. switch. I don't want to rock the boat. Like I said, and you know, maybe it sends me down a path that I can't recover from. So,
1: can you take one of your eggs, his sperm, and get a surrogate?
0: We could. Hmm. Um, so you guys are probably talking about we, that too, maybe. Yeah, but we're also not spring chickens anymore, and um, you know, we have plans of retirement, and um, we've got for dogs or for for kids yes. that we're Man, happy Hey, let me tell you them. something.
1: I'm 43 years old and we just had our baby and with the exception of you know the cf diagnosis which by the way she's she is doing a lot better but it's really fun waking up at 2:30 in the morning. <laughs> it you know what I mean? Like...
0: Yeah. We do with the dogs. We just got two puppies cuz we're crazy. So uh, still
1: are you is is kids still on the table? Or is it pretty much almost off? I don't the table? think
0: it's off the table yet. But we're also not Actively going down that road. Got it. Um if it if it lands in our hands of here's this opportunity, um, then I think we would consider it. But we're not actively searching for what does that mean? This opportunity a surrogate. a, A surrogate. Yeah. Um,
1: so can you accidentally get pregnant like an oops baby or is that not going to happen? I'm on
0: birth control, so okay. I hope not. <laughs> um, right. we're, we're taking measures to prevent that. Got it. So yeah. that would not
1: be ideal situation.
0: I don't think so. Okay. No, I think it definitely has to be planned okay. in our in our situation because I would need to um, – I, I would still need to switch up my medications a bit if we were going to go the surrogate route because my eggs would need to be um, – in good shape. Right. And I, I believe one of the medications I'm on affects the eggs.
1: Going back to the mental state. Cause you said like you, you don't have really bad days or like you are. You, no, you said, I don't complain about it. I don't have anything to complain I, about Yeah, but just talking to you, it kind of seems like you were that way even when things were bad. Right. Did you always, Yeah. how, I, why I are you like this?
0: I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. Um, Again, I think it just goes back to my dad instilling that like realistic um, outlook on life for me that I was dealt a pretty crappy dealt uh, deck of cards, mm-hmm. but we're gonna deal with it. and um I remember when I was sick that i would I would start thinking about all the things that I couldn't do, mm-hmm. and I had to switch that mindset. To think of to focus on the things that I could still do. And I think that really helped. Um, that I could, you know, I I might not be able to do everything that all my friends are doing, but I can still do a whole heck of a lot of things and have a good life. Write and, that
1: down, kids. <laughs> quit thinking about yep. your limitations and start concentrating on your destinations, right? Absolutely. So yeah. and now that you can do a lot of these things that you couldn't do before, is life even like like, do you wake up now? Has that effect, you know, wore off, like, the grass is greener today? The, no. I mean, like, really, like, no. the air really is clear if, for you.
0: If money wasn't an issue, <laughs> right? I mean, I, the the world is my oyster, really. But I still got to wake up and go to a job and um, still need those health insurance benefits totally. from, from the job. So that um, just having something to wake up and go to every day, I think, helps. It um, helps with the mind, you know not getting too set on woe is me and mm-hmm. um, that I have a purpose. And um, yeah, life is life is good.
1: The interesting thing, and I asked you this on the plane, is so the miracle drug, if you will, for us, has been Trikafta. Mm-hmm. Uh My oldest son Mason is taking it 14 year old. Sam, our eight year old, just started it two months ago, but Mason's salt levels are completely normal now. Wow. He doesn't do any breathing treatments. Uh, the only thing that kid really has to do is take enzymes before mm-hmm. every meal. But, And I ask him questions. That's I'm easy.
0: Like,
1: yeah, dude.
0: <laughs> That's the easy part. And he still doesn't
1: freaking do it all the time, which is frustrating. <laughs> but anyway, no, he's, he, dude, he's such a good kid. Um, but I ask him, like, dude, how is football? Because like? we live in, you know, here, Florida. Mississippi is probably the most humid places in the freaking world. Um, and he's out there running football. And I'm like, dude, is it hard for you to breathe? He's like, no. Like, he's been really, really blessed. Um, but you don't take tricafto. Why?
0: I don't. And it's uh, because it won't do anything for my new lungs. And that's mainly the, what the focus is of mm-hmm. it, is to improve the lung function. Um, I have discussed it with my doctor of taking it for the sinus issues and the digestive issues, but we ultimately decided again, not to rock the boat because there hasn't been enough research done on transplant patients. And, um, it's easier for me just to keep doing what I'm doing. Right. Right. Like the, as long as I take my enzymes, I really don't have digestive issues. So, I'll take pills all day, every day. In fact, I I have to. Um, And the sinus issues, yeah, they pop up every couple months. But is it kind of like
1: I could deal with those things?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I don't want to mess anything up. That I can't, I can't unring that bell. If I start taking it and it and it messes me up, so So, so for now now now, we're holding off.
1: New lease on life, if you will. You know, like, (laughs) do do you and Ross ever argue? (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, yeah. so we all All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we still have, you know, fights disagreements everything, 100%. but like the makeup's even like better now, right? Cuz like, yeah, I really love it. Yeah, I'm sorry.
0: Totally, cuz we can make up now. <laughs> That's yeah. a, so
1: what's the most exi- like on the horizon? What what are you most excited about for the future?
0: Probably retirement. <laughs> I know I'm only 40, but um I can retire in 15 years and just getting through, you know, my career and being able to go explore. You know, I would love to rent an RV and hopefully yeah. own an RV at that point and just explore the United States and travel. That's what we and, do. Yeah.
1: We pack up that RV, that fifth wheel, and go around America. There's nothing better than it. Uh, it's the best. Let me. Uh, let's leave any everyone with this. Like we always ask our guests, what what would be one quote or one. Um, challenge or one mindset that you would tell our listeners on really to help them level up? Like, what would you say? Because you have literally been on your deathbed in every sense of the word and you have come back to life. You've gone from 13% lung function, you said at your worst. Yes. To now you are in the high mid 90s, you said like, which Mm is kind of like all of us.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, What would you say to people who are really battling through something that want to get to where you're at now?
0: Probably what I said earlier of just Focus on, focus on the good and focus on what you can do. Focus on um, family and who you have in your circle to, you know, rise up and um, just try to stay positive. And hopefully, everything will get better. Amen.
1: Thank you so much for joining us and You're sharing welcome. your story. And do what she said. If you count your blessings. <laughs> Your life will always show a profit. Eli, stop crying. You are the best. Thank you so much. That was the one and only Lindsay Hernandez. And right behind the camera is our Ross in shining armor. He is the best. And you guys are the best. Thank you so much for tuning in, listening. As always, please continue to support us by liking, subscribing, and sharing. Leave a comment. We're always looking at comments, and we're always doing giveaways. We want to say thank you. So please like, subscribe, and share. And if you know somebody that would benefit from this podcast, please get it to them. We watch, and we need your help. So thank you so much. Eli, thank you. Lindsay, thank you. Thank you. We're the And thank you for watching another week of Level Up.